0: the objective to deliver the nba to you like no other news play breakdowns power rankings storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else it's all straight shots here fired by straight shooters s and gun this is the objective basketball podcast Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. You've caught me on an off day, folks. You guys have caught me on a day that is not so good. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to fight. (laughs) Uh, It has been a wild day moving and shifting boxes and doing all those things at home. And not to mention, uh, there were some, you know what, to put it lightly, there were some ridiculous snubs in the All-Star Reserve announcements. Uh, We have a lot to get to. We have a lot to get to today in the podcast, in the objective basketball podcast world. Here with my my co-host here, Lauren Gunn. How you doing, first of all? Before we get into this, how are you feeling? How was your day?
1: You know, in a related NBA sense, but a non-All-Star related sense, I am also not, dude, you caught me on an off day because, <laughs> and we're going to get to it, Yeah. but the Christian wood of it all mm-hmm. is just rapidly Yes. not going well. Not so going I, well. Am not, okay. I am not, I am not
0: doing well. Y- you're right. You're right. We are both, our, uh, our respective teams that we cover are not doing the best. Uh, no. <laughs> they are they to say are, the least, <laughs> to say the least. Yes. Uh, so, so without further ado, we'll, we'll get into it, but I just want to get this out the way. Thank you. Know what way it's going to go. Make your bet at Sports Interaction. As much as we love hockey, we are looking forward to one of the biggest days in sports, Super Bowl 57, and Sports Interaction has you covered pregame, in-game, and prop bets. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn, or in Ontario, download the app using the QR code on your screen, 19+, plus. please play responsibly. Listen, Lauren, if I had a bet to make coming into tonight, I would have bet a considerable amount of money that Pascal Siakam would be an NBA All-Star.
1: I would have too. And I believe when we were doing our reserves, we said he was a lock. Yes. I believe we both agreed that he was a lock.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, uh, there's been a lot of tweets going around. We know the tweet that you say, uh, oh, look, a, he's uh, the first guy to average 25, 8, and 6 in NBA history to not make an All-Star game. Uh, so we'll, we'll go through this now and, and we'll kind of talk about the rest of the list there is uh a few snubs i would say uh and just a couple of players that i think just uh, that it's so hard to digest this in real time and try to explain Mm. it in a way other than it being freaking ridiculous um i think there was a lot of inconsistencies with the way people voted uh obviously the reserves are, are judged by the the coaches the coaches make these decisions but at the end of the day, I really think the coaches got some of these wrong. And it's not for it's not for the fact that like some of these guys are just playing snubs. I think there were some inconsistencies in the list. For some players, they decided to count and factor in games played. For example, James Harden didn't make it, probably because of the fact that he missed over a month of basketball. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jaron Jackson Jr. missed a considerable amount of time, I would believe the first 20-plus games of the season, and now he's an all-star. Anthony Davis... Mm-hmm. He missed a considerable a considerable amount of time. He's not going to be an all-star, even though before he got hurt, he was an all-NBA player. So mm-hmm. I think there was a bit of inconsistency with the way they decided certain things. The other thing is, for some players, team record went into consideration – for some players, team record absolutely did not go into consideration. How DeMar DeRozan ended up on the list, but Pascal Siakam didn't, to me, is something I am dumbfounded by. So we'll go through and we'll talk. Uh, we'll start with the East first. The reserves are Joel Embiid, Bam Adebayo, Julius Randle, DeMar DeRozan, Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, and Tyrese Halliburton, which means there's no Pascal Siakam, no James Harden, no Jimmy Butler. For you, obviously, who picked Trey Young, no Trey Young in the mm-hmm. all-star game. I think of the, of the players that surprised me the most, uh, I would probably say it's DeMar DeRozan. Um, I think DeMar, look, I, I'm, I'm a guy who has been watching the Raptors for a very long time. Uh, you know, obviously got a chance to kind of watch DeMar develop into the player that he is today. I think it's awesome that he's still just as good, even at his age. Mm-hmm. And he is having a pretty good year. He is, the main reason the Bulls are staying alive, if you will. Uh, he's been awesome. I'm, Levine is had a down year, and DeRozan has been kind of carrying him by their bootstraps. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I think DeRozan should have got recognition. I just don't think that he should have been in the conversation for All-Star, mm-hmm. especially when you consider the defensive side of the ball, especially when you consider the inconsistencies that he has on that side of the ball, I Mm -hmm. don't think he should have made it over some of these other guys. The other guys being Pascal Siakam, one of them. Mm Jalen Brunson being the other. And I think you could have an argument for James Harden as well, even though I understand the game's missed argument. For me, it comes down to Pascal. (laughs) Because (laughs) I just think it's absolutely ridiculous that a player who is the engine, the lifeblood of a team, a guy who is so impactful for this Raptors team. If you take out Pascal Siakam from the Toronto Raptors, they are probably a bottom four team in this east in the in the NBA. That's how bad they are without him. Uh, if mm-hmm. you were to remove what Pascal Siakam does for this team, it is akin to removing some of the best players in the NBA just because of how big of an engine he is for the Toronto Raptors. Now, I was having a debate with someone on Twitter just now. I was Twitter fingers. I was <laughs> clacking. I was writing paragraphs, Lauren. Absolute paragraphs. I'm sure some people are privy to that right now who are listening to it. Uh, and the argument we got into was Julius Randle or Pascal Siakam. And I think the the way I would argue about this is, look, Julius Randle, if you take Julius Randle out of New York, I still think that the player you would pick for being an all-star in New York is Jalen Brunson. I think he is the one that makes them go. I think the impact that Randall has and the way that he's looked this season, albeit he is having a very impressive season, and I think he did deserve recognition, Mm -hmm. but it's because of Jalen Brunson. It's because of him that he looks more comfortable as a scorer, as a secondary option, as a person who can kind of create his own shot off the bounce, and and now Brunson is the one setting the table for him to go and get those shots. On the other side of it, I don't think Randall is as good of a defender as Pascal Siakam is. And I think yeah. Siakam has has shown that consistently. I, I will also say the Raptors are way worse without Siakam than the Knicks are when you take Julius Randle off the court. I, mm-hmm. I, I understand that, look, Julius Randle's true shooting percentage is better. Some of the EPMs and win shares and whatnot kind of favor Julius Randle. But I will say in terms of sheer impact, if you're watching the games, if you're looking for who is out there looking like an all-star and absolutely dominating, I would say Pascal Siakam over Julius Randle, no question. Now, Mm -hmm. to be fair, I think that Jalen Brunson also should have been over Julius Randle, and then there's a different conversation to be had there. But I think if you had to debate between Randle, DeRozan, and Siakam, the answer is Siakam for All-Star. Yeah, uh, And and like the James Harden conversation is a different thing as well. I mean, he's leading the league in assists, Lauren. The man is on the second, I believe, either the second or the third best team in the Eastern Conference. I don't know. Them and the Bucks flip consistently. But he's one half of one of the most unstoppable plays in basketball in the James Harden, Joel Embiid pick and roll. He is one of the main reasons for that team looking like they have. We we did a podcast on them last week talking about why they're surging. I I really see no reason why James Harden isn't an all-star this year. Mm-hmm. I think the the to me, I keep going back to DeMar and Randall. Those are the two mm-hmm. two guys that kind of they don't make much sense to me. I yeah. see a lot of hate on Drew Holiday on the timeline. I see some people saying I don't understand how Drew Holiday made it. I I get it. I understand yeah. why people would say that holiday probably shouldn't have made it, but he has looked very good uh mm-hmm. this last month. He has been crucial to kind of keeping the bucks afloat with, with Giannis. Um mm-hmm. I can see why people would put him on there. Right. Uh but I, I also agree. I think those are the those are the guys that are omissions to me. what do you think, man? I I'm honestly, I'm sorry. I had to go on that spiel. No, because it's I just... think
1: that I think, no, I think that, I mean, I I'm with you and those are the three guys that I'm looking at as well. And I, I'm, I, I'm with you on, I kind of understand the drew holiday personally. I mean, obviously he wasn't a pick for me. And I, right. if there, he's one of the three guys that I, I don't want to say, Oh, I have a problem with that. Yeah. But sometimes I do have a little bit of, of an issue with, um, it's hard because when we were going through our reserves, I was like, well, winning is a big part of it. And if you're a team that's at the top of your conference, having two guys, I think Darren Fox and Sabonis, that was something that I was all in on because the numbers were there. Um, but then with the Bucs and with Drew Holiday, he's kind of, it, it's they're comparable situations. And so I can't be for it in one situation and not for it in another. But I do think that Jalen Brunson while, yes, I agree with you. If there's any New York Nick that should have been in the All-Star game, I absolutely think it should have been Jalen Brunson. And I think you hit it right on the head by saying a lot of Julius's success is, has come yeah. because of Jalen Brunson setting the table. And, and let's not forget, you had the majority of Knicks Twitter looking at trade scenarios for Julius Randle <laughs> for, like, a good bit of the season. Right, right, right. And so right, – yeah. It, I mean I'm not saying and that, that, that doesn't really mean anything, but when you're looking around at Pascal and Jalen and, and some of these guys that didn't make it, you're kind of just like, huh? I just I don't I don't get it and and, and I, I also am a very like, to me there's a big balance between advanced stats, analytics and then just a sheer eye test. I don't think you can put you know the majority of your stock in an eye test, but to me, I absolutely am someone that thinks that there is value in the eye test and that you can't just go all numbers. And so in that sense, I think Jalen Brunson passes both the increase in numbers, the advanced stats, and the eye test. I think Pascal, I mean, what he means to that team, and, and you said it all, what he means to Toronto and and what Toronto looks like if you take him away and take him out of that picture, there's a lot that goes into that eye test. And, and when you're looking at that versus someone like Julius Randle, who Julius, phenomenal season. I really like what he's had to say, how he's carried himself, how Absolutely. he's contributed. I think he's been great, but I don't like the pick. I I really truly don't understand how you can leave Pascal Siakam out of the All Star game. I, I pers- I'm kind of speechless. If I'm being quite honest, that's with you. what I th- felt th- th- like at the top of this podcast. I was. I, it's like I yeah. don't know how to pinpoint how year after year it just seems like this is the reaction every time. Mm -hmm. And I know guys are always going to get left out until, you know, maybe something changes. I don't know. But I don't understand how you can have the inconsistencies in voting. And so that's what kind of leaves me speechless because, yeah, if the coaches are voting, they're all going to have different perspectives. They're all going to have different priorities, whatever the case may be. But to me, James Harden not being on the list is – James Harden and and Pascal are the two that I'm just like, I I don't get it. I don't know that I'll ever get it. And, frankly, the arguments – I don't really want to hear them. I think those two absolutely should be on the All Star team, and I don't. I just don't get it.
0: Yeah, I, I I don't get it either. I mean, look, I think to your point, the league is extremely talented. All these guys are All Star, All Star level players. This is not to like rain on Randall's on anyone yeah. or or anybody's really. Like I said, look, I'm I'm a huge Demar Derozan fan. I've been following his game for since he was number ten out of Compton. Like this is. Like trust me we've been watching these guys for a very long time. Julius Randle, he was a Laker and I was a huge fan of his game. You know, the the day that he hurt himself as a rookie was a really bad day for me cuz I was mm-hmm. really looking forward to him being a massive like rookie of the year type player to see him evolve, mm-hmm. figure things out throughout the years. That that type of stuff is awesome to me. As a basketball sure. fan, you really appreciate that. And for him to have a rocky season last year and figuring figure it out this year I mean, it's great to see a player kind of just work through the kinks of their own game. It's it's dope. Absolutely. But when you come to like, look at the end of the day, some of these guys bank on these all star nods for money. Yep. Right. There are all, there are stipulations in their contracts when it comes to all star nods and all NBA yeah. nods and all defense nods and all these things. And to your point about the voting you have to get this stuff right or else you do you're costing these
1: guys millions of dollars, millions mm-hmm. of dollars. So I in Hall of Fame, I mean, there's Hall yeah. of Fame that voted that goes in. There's so much that goes into it, which is why I'm like, you can't have this room for error that just allows for, Oh, well, they're just right. It's different coaching minds, different. Oh, well, everybody, you know, they're going to get it right most of the time because at the end of the day, the voting is going to account for what most people think and what most people agree. Uh-huh. And like, I think we're seeing – I think we have enough to to say that this is not – this might not and is not the best process for selecting All-Stars. Yeah.
0: and And look, I think everybody does have their own process, but the fact that it weighs so much – uh, yeah. Like you said, Hall of Fame. People look back at things, right? You look back at, like, I don't know, um, Paul Gasol. I don't know how many All-Star games he has. I have no idea. Maybe he has, like, seven or eight. You look <laughs> back at that and you're like, oh, wow, Pau Gasol, seven, eight-time All-Star, two-time NBA champion. This is awesome. He's a great player, right? This is, yeah. you know, you people, fans of the game, kids in 20 years will go back and look at Pascal Siakam and Julius Randle and be like, these guys, they're relatively close, <laughs> And And mm-hmm. that might not have been the case, you know, yeah, uh, so that's I crazy I just,
1: when you put it like that
0: right? I I, I just think it's it's tough. It, it's weird that we put so much weight into these all-star votes and then the voting skews consistently and habitually. Uh, so let's go to the West. I think we've talked enough about the East because uh, I don't want to get myself even more. <laughs> <mad>. <laughs> um, the Western Conference reserves, Paul George, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Jaron Jackson Jr., Damian Lillard, Lowry Marketing, John Morant, and DeMontis Sabonis. Now, some people will say there was no De'Aaron Fox. Uh, others will say no Anthony Edwards was crazy. I think Edwards, I would say he's working through a lot of kinks of his game. I know the Timberwolves have started to to climb the Western Conference rankings a little bit more. He, I believe they're in the top six right now. They're doing well. And a lot of that is because of Ant. It's it's a huge part of it. I don't yeah. think Ant is as much in the conversation for Snub as De'Aaron Fox is, especially because of how the Kings have looked this year. Especially with, you know, I mean him being the most clutch player in the NBA this season. The way he has just carried them in fourth quarters has been significant and massive to see. He has turned a corner in his game. And I think, obviously, DeMontis Sabonis has unlocked that. Mike Brown has unlocked that. There, there's a lot of reasons for that. Don't get me wrong. But Fox mm-hmm. is having an excellent season. Um, the Kings are winning a lot of games because of it. I think there's a very good reason to say that Fox should have made it over a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. the reason is because, look, Jaron Jackson Jr. missed a bunch of games. He He was out for the start of the year. And yes, he's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year if he stays healthy for the rest of the season. But that doesn't necessarily mean he should be an All-Star this year. But hey, Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. I wrote about Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he's going to be a Defensive Player of the Year winner this season. I think he should have won it last year. And I think it's awesome that he's getting an All-Star nod because Mm -hmm. defense is getting recognized in the All-Star game. That is a sight to behold, right, Lauren? That's That's
1: that's That's a really good point. That's a
0: really good point. I I think it's great. But Mm -hmm. in terms of deserving, in terms of games played, in terms of looking at it from the bigger picture, what this might mean money wise and whatnot, I think when you look back, you'll say De'Aaron Fox should have made the All Star game. And Mm -hmm. when you have to look at those lists of players and see who shouldn't have, you probably will look at Jaron Jackson Jr. and the amount of games that he's missed and say, I don't know about that one, Chief. So, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I completely agree. The Jaron Jackson and the De'Aaron Fox one is definitely the one that I kind of had the most, I guess, frustration with. Because to me, De'Aaron Fox, this is the best year of his career. Uh, He's averaging 24, 6, and 4 while shooting 50% from the field. I really don't know. And their team is, is, they're still third, I believe. Yeah, they're third in the West. I really don't know what more you have to do at that point <laughs> yeah. to make the all-star team. I mean, team. look,
0: it, by the way, it was an uphill battle for Fox to make it anyways because that's the guard true. spots, I mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It's very right? close. The, the, all, the, the guard spots are tough. I mean, between, uh, hey, Devin Booker didn't even make it and Booker was yeah. p- playing like an all-NBA player before he got hurt. Obviously, games played played a factor there, but it didn't play a factor with Jaron Jackson Jr., I guess. Hey,
1: no, I don't get it. I
0: don't get it. It's, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And this, look, this goes back to what we were saying off the top where it's like there is no consistency when it comes to this voting. So I, I I, don't know if this is um, – I don't know if like this, this, these selections are outrageous enough for the NBA to decide that they're going to approach the all-star voting in a different way. I Mm -hmm. think the NBA probably enjoys the fact that we talk about these votes and these conversations and these snubs because Mm -hmm. it is revenue right into their pocket. It's true. Uh, But at the same time, I think, you know, when there are so many contract stipulations in this, when it's legacies and Hall of Fame nods and all that stuff that comes into consideration with this, it would be asinine of the NBA to not figure out a way to make voting a little bit more uh, consistent. Yeah. Even even give it a threshold of games. You have have to play a minimum of 75% of your games by this time in order to be eligible to be an all-star. That's it. Mm -hmm. Even if you were to just add that specific thing, it would make things 100% easier. It
1: would.
0: Um, I just can we just take a moment of silence for frustration? Can we do the Can we do the SpongeBob meme where it's like five minutes later and we're just crying?
1: <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at This <laughs> at this point. I will say there was one thing, and it was the first thing that caught my eye when the West Reserves were announced. And the first thing that my eye went to was the fact that Larry Markinen made it. And I was very glad to see that because he was kind of the number one that I was like, I know it's in Utah, but I'm just so worried he's going to get snubbed. Very similar to last year with Cleveland. Right. Um, and and kind of looking at, oh, well, we want to make sure that, you know. So um, I was really glad to see that he made it. Um, Sabonis, too. I mean, we spoke on the resume, but these are two guys that you kind of wouldn't be surprised if they got snubbed. And so yeah. I was very glad to see them make it. Um, and, I, I mean, I think we are pretty on board with with. Everyone else that was there. I think the Paul George of it all. I might have disagreed a little bit on yeah, that. Yeah, we, we
0: were flipping between him and Dame in our in our. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. So I mean, whatever. There are bigger. <laughs> there are bigger to me bigger issues in all of this than Paul George making the All Star team. But yeah, I just I think with all of this, you gotta you gotta be able to find the because one thing that i always come back to is for the nba as a business what is beneficial for them to actually improve versus well maybe we'll turn a little bit of a blind eye if it means we can maximize on that this revenue or right. this dollar amount and the all star i think a bad example of this could be this this all star um debacle because it does generate a lot of revenue and a lot of conversations that are had and it turns into a whole production with the 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 i mean the team yeah yeah. all of it it's just it's a whole thing and so this could be a bad example i think a good example is our last conversation where we talked about the officiating problem and overall improving the quality of the product that you're seeing so sometimes that's one big kind of facet that i'm always wondering or kind of like if i take a step back can I realistically see this being improved? JJ Reddick said today, why are we not expanding the all-star roster? You've got guys. um, And I think his, I believe the two examples that I saw that even Jason Gallagher uh, of the old man in the three was talking about said that you're going to have guys that are averaging, I believe like 24, um, six and are, are and are shooting 50% from the field. And they're not going to make the all-star game. That's crazy. We've expanded the league. We need to expand expand the roster. And I think that that's the key right there. You've got to continue to evolve if you're if there are going to be inconsistencies or you don't want to take that you know quote unquote power away from the coaches that's i get i don't want to say that that's fine but like if that then then maybe look elsewhere to try and remedy some of these these things because if at the end of the day this is just essentially a fan event but at the end of the day you also have guys that are like you talk about legacy money uh bonuses whatever the case may be why not what's the case against not expanding the roster does it take away from does it take away from the the importance of getting the All-Star nod? Personally, I don't think it does because we're seeing how much the talent pool, like you mentioned earlier, is just continuing to grow and, and evolve yeah. and increase. So to me, it's only going to get more competitive and ultimately the answer will be to expand the roster. That that just makes the most sense to me.
0: You know what, Lauren? That is a excellent freaking point. Uh, I just, I think for all of the evolution we've talked about when it comes to the nba all of the oh well look at the three-point shot that is looking like this look at the way we are talking about positionless basketball and how Mm -hmm. the on-court product has evolved i think the off-court stuff has to evolve just as much with it Um, and you know like you said look they they expanded all nba i I believe a very long time ago it used to be two all nba teams they added a third all nba team when they started to expand they should probably have a third all defense team if we're being honest but they only have two they should have a third all re- you know so like there, there are ways that they can incorporate this and make this a little bit easier to one get these contract in- incentives but also make it so that there aren't these egregious things that happen with voting yeah. I think if we look back at the east and, and west reserves it looks it looks like the east is crazier than the west in terms of
1: yeah who I made
0: agree. it and who didn't.
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah. Um, So, look, we appreciate everybody who has tapped into our rant, our our rambling right now for the All-Star conversation. We are going to kind of pivot here and talk about some trade discussion because while the All-Star game is fun and it's happening in a couple weeks and hopefully, fingers crossed, we will be there in Salt Lake City uh, watching it and covering it. Um, The other aspect of this is the trade deadline. The trade deadline that's going to happen in – T-minus seven days. We are one week away from the trade deadline. Actually, less than seven days because it is uh, about – it'll be at 3 p.m. on Thursday, December 9th. So – little bit earlier than six seven days it'll be like six days and however many hours that is i don't know i'm not that good at math (laughs) ladies and gentlemen that is the accountant here lauren (laughs) gun
1: and and it is after hours so do not expect (laughs) me to be whipping out any quick math right now
0: yeah so look there there's uh there's a lot of discussions on the trade front right now i think uh, as a good friend of the podcast, Trill Bro, dude, it always says it. There's a lot of slop going around right now in terms of rumors and trade mills and trade machine screenshots and whatnot. There's just a lot of that going around on Twitter right now, yeah. and I think the the topic of the conversation, the the centerpiece of it all, has become OG Ananobi. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. You know, I, I wrote an article uh, earlier today kind of illustrating why Ananobi has become the top prize in the trade deadline, why he, he he has the value that he has currently and why the Raptors are seeking so much for him. I think the more interesting, maybe not more interesting because the article was pretty interesting, I'm not going to lie to you, but uh, may, maybe, the, <laughs> maybe, maybe the other side of this is what do these trades look like? What kind mm-hmm. of situation we can see? Because I think Memphis has been rumored Indiana has been rumored. Phoenix has been rumored. The New Orleans Pelicans have been rumored. Um, even to a certain degree, the New York Knicks have been rumored. So there, there are a lot of suitors for a guy like OG Ananobi. He is your prototypical three and D wing who has shown flashes of potentially doing a little bit more than that. He is an elite defender. Was probably in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year earlier in the season. But that's slipped a lot because of the Raptors also slipping in terms of their record and defensive stanchion Um, So I, I think he's a guy who is one of the premier wing defenders in the league Guy that you could ask to guard literally anybody as a person who's covered him for the last couple of years He's a person that the Raptors have thrown on Nikola Jokic He's a guy who the Raptors have thrown on Donovan Mitchell He's a guy who the Raptors have thrown on Giannis Antetokounmpo, and all three of those players play entirely different positions. Uh, And they play Mm -hmm. in entirely different ways. So the fact that Ananobi is such a versatile defender is why these teams are going after him. The offensive side of the ball, he's a good shooter, deadly three-point shooter. He can can knock down the shot, especially when it's a catch-and-shoot. I think he's gotten better at driving the ball, using his strength, making passes. I think these areas of the game are obviously things that he's growing in, but he has shown development in those areas as well. He's a free agent in 2024, although he does have a player option, but he's absolutely going to opt out of that. He will be a free agent in 2024, um, and that means he's up for a pretty big payday. So that's mm-hmm. another aspect of this that we'll have to consider. But with that type of setting the table, like I'm Jalen Brunson and you're Julius Randle, tell me.
1: Lauren, mm-hmm. <laughs> not not to not to not to call hurts. you Julius Randle. <laughs> that sorry. hurts. Do we you know, have to go as, there? As
0: soon as as there? soon as I said it, I was like, "Oh, that's not a good comp." <laughs> <laughs> it's too soon. Yeah, it it's is too, too soon. soon. Uh, but no, look. With, with all that being said, what team pops out to you the most when it comes to mm-hmm. NNLB? Which which place, either in terms of realistic. Or in terms of like what the package can be, what what do you yeah. think, what do you think kind of pops out to you the most?
1: You know, it's it's kind of funny because I do to me I just keep going to New Orleans. I keep going back to New Orleans, and a lot of it has to do with how much Willie Green likes those not just three and D wings, but these wings that are big and can guard and are really versatile, can guard different positions. Um, and while you have seen the potential from OG, and you kind of have an idea of what he could be and and, and all that, and it looks <laughs> great for the team that could ultimately get him and for him as well in terms of the payday, yeah. he looks like he would fit very well with um, New Orleans and, and kind of this versatile group that they've got. And then also, I think I I even mentioned before about them having times when Brandon Ingram isn't available, Zion isn't available. Okay, well, who's somebody that could re- you can reasonably expect to step up? I absolutely think OG is one of those guys, and and they have the young guy. They have young... I don't want to say the young guys, but they have young pieces plus picks. Um, I would so, argue
0: they have the young guys, honestly. I mean... You when, would. What, what, yeah, because like when you look at the teams that I mentioned in a Phoenix, mm-hmm. in a Memphis, in a New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. I think the blue-chip prospects... Are on New Orleans. Um, I yeah. You know what I, I mean. So
1: I no. I agree. I agree. And if I'm Toronto, I want Herb Jones. That's who I want. Yeah. But what everything that I hear about New Orleans and how much I mean, they love Herb Jones so much. And so in my mind, I don't see he could get moved. I'm not going to say nothing. Something's impossible because I I've learned that lesson. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I to, it's hard for me to envision him getting moved here. I think, I mean, there's been a little bit, I think there were some articles that maybe even dropped today saying that um, Memphis doesn't want new Orleans to get OG and new Orleans doesn't want Memphis to get OG. And like that could ultimately end up being the case. That's where I kind of see New York coming in. That's where that makes sense to me because they also have picks and young guys that I think are interesting, but for new Orleans, they have more reasons to go get someone like OG than Memphis to me, in my opinion. And so that's where I kind of look, and so then I kind of am like, okay, well, do you have interest in a Trey Murphy in a— I also—this could be a hot take, but I don't see them moving Dyson Daniels for this either. I think that they would rather let somebody else win and have it, especially if it's not Memphis, if it means they get to hold on to Herb Jones, hold yeah. on to Dyson Daniels. Um, I think, and that's, I think th- if they
0: had to take a pick between Dyson, Trey, and Herb, they would probably pick Herb. But that's not saying much because I think they value all three. Yeah, so it, they're it's very like like if you're including one of those guys into the deal for Ananobi, and I do think her probably makes the most sense. Although, if you ask Raptors fans, I'm sure they'll they'll ask you they'll they'll want you to take Dyson Daniels. <laughs> and and you know, actually, this is this is not necessarily news or, or rumors or anything like that. But from my understanding, from what I've heard is that the Raptors were actually looking to trade up in the draft in order to take Dyson Daniels. They were interested wow. in drafting Dyson Daniels. So that's a guy who has been on their radar for a considerable amount of time. Uh, that's he a would guy fit really well. Right, yeah. And, and uh, uh, reportedly, the chip that was going to be going the other way, which was to Portland at the time for the eighth pick, um, was OG Ananobi. I don't know if that gets revisited. I don't know if New Orleans is as interested in that situation mm-hmm. anymore. And, you know, yeah. for, for all the context of what happens this year and what happens in the future, I'm not sure if New Orleans would like to make that win-now move right now given the fact yeah. that Ingram is dealing with some injuries and kind of coming back with the for the toe stuff. Zion with the hamstring injury and like, hey, is this the season we should go all-in on? Maybe they don't need to, right?
1: Yeah, I... Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm at, too, which is why I think the New York of it all is very fascinating because when I look at them, I'm like, okay, you've got Quickly and you've got Toppin. To me, those are the two guys that if you're going to go in on an OG move, you're going to have to move one of yeah. those guys. Maybe, I mean, I don't see them moving both. Who knows? I Honestly, who knows at this point? Do you think they would include both? Or 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 Quentin.
0: Yeah. Do you think that would be even I mean, look, he wasn't he apparently wasn't in discussions for Donovan Mitchell. So, I mean, that's
1: what's so crazy to me, because (laughs) I had. Well, without getting too much into it, I had heard some things that that may have been on the table, but Mm -hmm. it. I don't want to get it in too much. I don't want to get, want to get anybody uh, got, in
0: trouble. We got sources I don't want to get anybody here. in trouble. We got sources but I, I, I think
1: here, I think with Quentin, there's... they Obviously, they love him internally, but I also think that he, out of Quickly Toppin, is go, is the least likely to get... Kind of similar to, to, to what we're talking about with... with yeah, exactly. Right. So, so, to me, I think it is going to come down to um, the Suns pelicans and then um the sorry he just completely just distracted winston, me winston ruined he, your he, i thought he was gonna knock that whole thing over and i was like oh <laughs> god just what i need right now um so i i think the suns are the kind of the wild card in there the pelicans the knicks and um
0: the grizzlies right yeah, thank that's, that's yes the team jesus yeah, it was it was thank right there you. i had to help you out it's okay I, my,
1: my brain is just like jumbled <laughs> but um yeah, I don't know. I think it's gonna I think he's getting moved. I think it's gonna be really interesting to see kind of what talks how much they heat up and then to kinda of look back after the fact and be like, Oh, that clearly came from the Raptors right you know, front office and, and just kind of gauge what that return ends up being because as of as of right now, you hundred percent you believe he's getting moved or you think
0: I think I think with every passing day, my percentage of chance that OG Ananobi gets moved increases. Okay. um I think, you know, last week you could have asked me and I was at 40%. Right now I'm probably at 60%. uh, And I think that's only going to get higher and higher as as things continue. The only reason I say that is because of what I have – one, what I have heard. And two, what has been registered in the news cycle when it comes to his dissatisfaction and him wanting to have a bigger role. All of these Mm -hmm. things while – while you know, if, if you're a Raptors fan right now and refuting all of those rumors, I think you would be lying to yourself love, because, yeah. <laughs> and I and I say I that mean, I say that out of love. I really with do love, say, yeah, I do. <laughs> Look, uh, Raptors fans, we we have a little bit of uh, of an edge to us. Uh, I, you know, I, th- I think that's clear to say. But when it comes to how many times this rumor has been mentioned of him being dissatisfied or him wanting a bigger role. At some point, you have to believe the, the fact that like there's seven different reports of this coming out. Whether it's C.J. McCollum mentioning it on his podcast or Jake Fisher mentioning it last summer, and then Chris Haynes reporting on it literally today. So mm-hmm. I I think in terms of you know verifying the dissatisfaction of O.J. Ananobi, I think we've kind of seen that yeah. it's true at this point. Um, yeah. And and you know when it comes to what the Raptors can do to maybe amend that maybe fix the situation, maybe find a bigger role for them. There are other ways other than trading him. I think maybe if they decided, you know, we kind of talked about this offline, Lauren, but maybe if the Raptors did in fact decide to move Pascal Siakam and Mm -hmm. do a hard reset, now Ananobi is a guy that can be featured more often, especially because the core moving forward would be Precious, OG, Scottie, Gary Trent Jr. Now these are all guys... Under the age of 25 years old, so <laughs> yeah. It, it, to me, it's like, look, there's 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 multiple ways the Raptors can go about this, but the way that it's looking, they're going to a- approach this is trading Ananobi, hoping that the value they recoup back. Which, by the way, they're asking for a lot, and yeah. I think they're right in asking for a lot. Because, I agree. I think so too. Because they know how important this trade is. This is this is potentially a franchise altering move for them because of the fact of how much OG, how how important he is to their franchise. Yeah. We can talk about the Pascal Siakam and the Scotty Barnes of it all, but OG is sort of the connective stopgap between Pascal, who is 28, 29 years old and dead in his prime, and Scotty, who is 20, 21 years old and still trying to figure it out. OG yeah. is the guy right in the middle, 25 years old. He's the guy who kind of splits the difference. Uh, He's the guy that you can hopefully plug and play with either of those quote-unquote cores. So -hmm. to move off of him means a fundamental change in the way this team is going to be constructed. So Mm -hmm. you do have to hope to get value back. You do hope to get a blue-chip prospect like a Dyson Daniels. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So I'm not sure which way they go, but I imagine from the news that we've been hearing and the weeks – and sorry, the couple of days – you know, that are going to follow, I imagine that this will be a bidding war. And I imagine that uh, yeah. he is the blue chip guy to trade for this, this year. There is no other guy out there that is as big, unless the Raptors start mentioning Pascal Siakam in, in availability, right? Mm-hmm. There's no Zach Levine from what, from what I've heard. I don't think Zach Levine is, is available. Sorry, Lauren. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Honestly, it's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. But but no, like there there is the
0: no there is no blue chip prospect like that. Uh, sorry, not prospect, but like superstar or star yeah. available. There is no none of that. Mm-hmm. So then it all comes down to OG, and with the amount of parity we've seen in the NBA, he really could mean the difference between either winning an NBA championship or having a conference finals run for a team yeah. like the Grizzlies that might need that extra defensive punch, might need that extra shooting in the playoffs. I mean you have the extra picks, you have the Warriors pick in 2024, you have a, a litany of, of prospects to add to kind of sweeten the pot. The same thing applies to the New Orleans Pelicans. The same thing applies to the Phoenix Suns. So to me, right. you're, you're looking at a situation where there are teams with an abundance of prospects and picks that are interested in getting this player that could potentially mean an NBA championship And for all three franchises, Phoenix, New Orleans, Memphis, would mean the first NBA championship for that franchise. I think that is a huge deal. I think that's also, it puts the Raptors in a position of leverage. It puts them in a position where it's like, look, man, we know how much this guy we have means to what you guys can do this year. So yeah, we want your Dyson Daniels. We want your DeAndre Ayton. We want your uh, Zaire Williams plus Warriors pick. We want your, uh, we want your Quentin Grimes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I
1: can, com- I yeah. mean, I completely agree. I think that that is exactly why, I mean, part of it is the fact that, and I think that maybe that's part of why the Raptors have maybe been a little bit more open about this situation. I could be completely wrong there. That's just my own personal speculation in terms of how open the West is specifically when we're talking about all three of those suitors, the the kind of biggest three are all in the Western Conference. We've been talking for weeks about how close this Western Conference is, and you just said it, what it could mean for the difference in and letting him go somewhere else or being the team to, okay. to say, you know what, we're pushing those chips in. And so in that regard, that's why I'm like, I don't want to say anything's impossible because you might just have a team say, well, if this was a year ago, there was no way I was trading, you know, herb jones okay. or there's there was no tr- there was no way that i was going to trade consider even moving Aiden for something like this right um but now i think you might find yourself in a position where it's like well maybe we're not if you're if you're the pelicans for example maybe we're really not inclined to move from someone like dyson daniels and or herb jones or whatever the case may be but for this situation it's time to we got to you got to it's not all gonna be 100 percent wins, home runs every single time. You gotta you gotta give a little to get a little. Yeah. So I won't be surprised if we see somebody that I don't. It's not similar to Sabonis and Halliburton, but something where you're like, whoa, I never saw that coming, and then all of a sudden it's happened. Right. That with this specific scenario with the suitors and what it could mean for the team that gets him, it will not surprise me if a name comes out of the blue that we're just like, whoa, that consistently, or or not consistently, significantly changes the landscape of the West or or the East, but most likely the West.
0: Yeah, I and actually, funny you mentioned that. I do think it would kind of best serve the Raptors' interest to not trade him to the Eastern Conference, because that's a guy, one, you'd have to face four times a year, and too, if you're considering like look, trading it to the Knicks or the Pacers or any really any other team in the East, those are the teams you're gonna be competing against for the next decade plus. You you don't wanna yeah. have to give them something and, you know, kind of let them have that advantage. So I, I do think it kind of best serves them to to be looking out west, to be looking at the Memphises, the New Orleans, the Phoenixes of yeah. this of this situation and seeing how much they can kind of pull from them. I will say, I think at the end of the day, you know after having this conversation and just from from speaking to to other people i think i'm more and more confident that he ends up getting moved who else ends yeah. up getting moved on the raptors is the is maybe even a bigger question to me um is, is it going to be fred van Vliet? is it going to be gary trent jr is it going to maybe even be pascal siakam i i very much so doubt the siakam situation i think it would take you know if if the og situation is a king's ransom i'm not sure what a siakam situation would be called yeah. Uh, and I, I don't I don't even know if there's a team out there that has an offer that that kind of makes that sense. That makes
1: sense. I right. don't think so either.
0: I think it's it's funny because you probably talk to a Pelicans fan or a Grizzlies fan and the package they would give you for the package the Raptors are looking for OG is probably the package they were they would be willing to give People. you for a yeah. Cassie right?
1: And that's crazy yeah. to me. Yeah. Uh, to me that's just you either watch them or you don't. And if you <laughs> yeah. you either watch them or you don't. And if you don't watch them that's fine. That's fine. But if you watch him, there's no way.
0: <laughs> oh, man. What a day. What a day. What a day. We started it off. Yeah, We, I know. Look, we started it off uh, depressed and annoyed and mad, and we are going to end it off depressed and annoyed and, and mad. We are infuriated, folks. Uh, Pat... <laughs> <laughs> Pascal Siakam is not an All Star. Jalen Brunson is not an All Star. Our uh, the teams that we respectively cover are in disarray, to say the least. Uh, it's it's a tough one. So, listen, ladies and gentlemen, if you've listened to this, this is a somber episode of the Objective Basketball Podcast. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We thank you guys for listening to our spiel's. Lauren, I thank you so much for being sad with me. Shout out to Winston, who is whining right now. You're a real one. He understands it. Yeah, he feels it. He's with us on this. You know, cats, I don't know if cats are like empathizers. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no clue whatsoever. But shout out to the cat Winston chilling in the background. We appreciate you guys tuning in to the Objective Basketball Podcast. We will see you later. Bye-bye. Follow hosts at JustSBarahini on all socials
1: and at the Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering, Delivering the NBA, NBA to you like, like no other. other.